form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. The Sharipitra of all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness. Why, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas. No I Datu up to no mind Datu, no Datu of Dharmas, no mind consciousness Datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. The Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Te Ata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisoha. The Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. And the Blessed One arose from that Samadhi and praised Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and Gandharvas, rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. Sky of your Dharma bodies and massive clouds of knowledge and love, 
and let them pour upon the earth of your disciples as we are ready, a shower of rain, the teachings deep and wide. Send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. Edam Guru Radha Mandala Gami Radha Yami Jala Jali Jalam La Janjo Badu Dani Jasuji Nadi Chunye Jibe Zonani Andralam Jiazonye Rubarjo Chalanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjanjan
You're welcome to sit in a chair also. So right now we're celebrating uh, the month of Buddha, uh, and we find that uh, this uh, runs from the 1st through the 15th on the Tibetan calendar, uh, and we celebrate uh, Buddha's birth, uh, enlightenment, and parinirvana. So this is also called the month of increase of 100,000. And what that means is that every virtuous deed that we engage in is multiplied by 100,000 times. So right now we're going through the text called the Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa. The Tama, the Shanchu Jesem, the Garilabs, the Jibu Chambilang. Jibu Chambilang, Senju Osana, and Shanchu Senlos, what is Yagro? Okay. So, what is the meaning of this text called the Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment? Uh, this text explains the pathways uh, for beings of small, medium, and great capacity. 
So we find uh, in Atisha's text, which is considered the root text for this, the lamp for the path to enlightenment, in the beginning, a quote that's uh, a stanza that states, understand that there are persons of three capacities, small, medium, and great. I shall write clearly identifying their characteristics, or I shall clearly define these three. Uh, so what does this mean? Here, it was referring to, first, the small, uh, referring to those small pathways, uh, and those uh, small pathways, or those pathways for beings of small capacity, are the pathways that lead to the higher realms of cyclic existence. And then those uh, um, medium pathways uh, um, are those pathways, or those medium scope pathways, or those pathways that lead to the abandonment of suffering, or nirvana, or liberation. Uh, and those uh, great capacity pathways, or great scope pathways, are those pathways that encompass those and with the mind that aspires to enlightenment or bodhicitta. Uh, so this is what is meant by those three capacities, uh, three specific pathways leading to three specific uh, goals. And for those of who, you who are new uh, to the Chen Rezig Center, uh, these texts are uh, two different categories. These are books that are behind us here. And here we have uh, the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, uh, and these are texts that have been translated from Pali and Sanskrit uh, into Tibetan. Uh, so we have a hundred texts that are the pronouncements of Lord Buddha in Tibetan. Uh, and then we have the authentic Indian commentaries. Uh, and the authentic Indian commentaries have also been translated into Tibetan. Uh, and there we have 213 texts. And these are leaflet texts. <laughs> So all of the traditions within Tibet, uh, whether it's Nyingma, Nyingma Sakya, Sakya, Kaju, Galup, or uh, the Bon tradition, uh, they all uh, rely upon uh, and have as a source of their information uh, these texts here, the Kangjir, the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, and the Tanjir, the authentic Indian commentaries. So, and below those texts, we also have the collected works of Lama Tsongkhapa, as well as the collected works of uh, Kirtup Jay and Jelsup Jay, uh, Lama Tsongkhapa's spiritual sons. Uh, so, uh, these, this work, the uh, lamp for the path to enlightenment, that presented uh, these three capacities, the small capacity, medium capacity, and great capacity, sometimes called scope as well, uh, um, uh, um, uh, uh, is considered uh, an ocean of instruction. And the reason for this is that the lamp for the path to enlightenment 
uh, is compared to all of the waters, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, they compare the lamp, uh, to the, path, the lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, to the great ocean. Just like all the waters in the world event eventually uh, end up in the ocean, all of the streams of texts of the Kangjur, the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, and the Tanjur, the authentic Indian commentaries, all end up into Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, and are presented according to three capacities, small capacity, medium capacity, and great capacity. So we find in Lama Tsongkhapa's abbreviated stages on the path uh, where it compares uh, this to the ocean. It says, uh, as, uh, as these stages can fulfill every desirable aim of all ki nine kinds of beings, they are a power-granting king of precious instruction. Because they collect the streams of thousands of excellent classics, they are indeed an ocean of illustrious, correct explanation. <laughs> Tanamasu so the lamp of the path to enlightenment gave a presentation in abbreviated form of the, uh, the three capacities, small capacity, uh, medium capacity, and great capacity. And we could put parentheses of the teachings for uh, beings of small capacity, medium capacity, uh, and great capacity. Uh, so right now, uh, we're looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment that gives a very expanded explanation of those capacities. And we're currently in the section called Training the Mind in the Stages of the Path Shared in Common with Beings of Small Capacity. Uh, so that section uh, has three subheadings. First, the actual training of thought of a person of small capacity, uh, and then the measure of the attitude of a person of small capacity, uh, and then dispelling any misconceptions that are related to a person of small capacity. Uh, so uh, under the first category, the actual training of thought of a person of small capacity, we find two uh, headings underneath that. First, developing the state of mind that strives diligently for the sake of future lives, uh, and next, relying on a method or a means for achieving happiness in one's next life. Uh, so we're dealing with that last category of relying on a method or a means for achieving happiness in one's next life. Uh, and under that category, we find two categories. First, uh, refuge. Uh, and then karma and its results. So we're currently in the karma and its results section of the text. Uh, and there we have an outline with three major headings. First, uh, karma and its effects explained in detail. I, I'm sorry, karma and its, the, a general presentation of karma and its effects or karma and its effects in general. Uh, and then second, uh, karma and its effects in detail, or the particulars of karma and its effects. Uh, and then finally, we have the category of uh, uh, how one engages in virtue and relies, uh, I'm sorry, engages in virtue and abandon non, abandons non-virtue after having uh, reflected on karma and its effects in general and in detail, or particularly. Uh, so we're in that last section of how one engages in virtue and abandons non-virtue after having uh, reflected on karma and its effects in general and specifically. Deeksum. 
so what is the pathway uh, for beings of small capacity? Uh, these are the practices that lead to the higher realms of cyclic existence, which are the practices that are the pathways to the higher realms of the gods and, and humans. Uh, so those practices are as follows, uh, going for refuge to the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, uh, engaging in ethical behavior that abandons the ten non-virtuous activities, uh, and then if one engages in a negativity, acknowledging that downfall, acknowledging that negativity by, uh, by way of confession. <laughs> So we find the Christian tradition, uh, we have in the Christian tradition very similar practices. One goes for refuge to Jesus, goes for refuge to God, abandons ten negative actions and so forth. So we find a, a very a big similarity here. So then Hindus and Muslims also share a very similar uh, idea. In Hinduism we find that going for refuge to Shiva uh, and then abandoning uh, the ten non-virtues uh, uh, is also present within the Hindu tradition. Uh, and then the Muslim tradition there are similar ideas. We're on page 251 uh, in the English, uh, the bottom where it says in particular the way of purification through the four powers. Uh, so, so it's in particular the way of purification through the four powers. Uh, so when we engage in misdeeds, uh, such as the ten non-virtuous activities, uh, we are engaging in deeds that have the ability to, in the future, cause us to have to experience suffering, have to uh, in, live in the lower realms of cyclic existence, such as the hell realm, or the hungry ghost realm, uh, or the animal realm. So since this is a, a negative circumstance, since this is a problem, uh, it's necessary then for us to apply something so that we can stop it, because it's something that's unwanted. Uh, so if we apply the four opponent powers, uh, we're able to get rid of those things which would later lead, those negativities that would later lead to suffering. So, 
so during the time of the, the Buddha, uh, we uh, find the story of Angulmala. Uh, Angulmala was uh, um, told by a bad spiritual teacher uh, to kill. He was giving a wrong given a wrong instruction, and he killed 999 people. Uh, and then he met with the Buddha and was uh, given the teaching on the four opponent powers. Uh, and as a result of these practices, these purifying practices, he wasn't uh, did not have to uh, experience the uh, suffering that would have normally come from that behavior. Uh, he was able to purify it and achieve the state of foe destroyer within that one lifetime. Uh, so we find this story in the Nagarjuna's uh, letter to a friend, uh, and then we have within the Tibetan tr uh, tradition the story of Milarepa, uh, who was able to uh, purify his negativities and achieve Buddhahood in one lifetime. <laughs> So now we know who has been able to purify their misdeeds. So now that we know someone has been able to do so, uh, we can't say that we uh, have done so, so much wrong that we can't or that we can't purify our own negativities. So our mind is similar uh, to a cloth. A cloth can become stained. Uh, so our body, uh, our mind has become stained by the non-virtuous actions of our uh, body, speech, uh, and mind. Uh, so like a cloth that can be cleaned of its stain by washing it over and over again, uh, um, the, our mind uh, can be cleaned or purified as well by applying the four opponent powers uh, that is uh, compared to the washing of the cloth and removing the stain. The four opponent powers are able to purify our mind of those uh, negativities. Uh, so we'll get to the various antidotes later on in the text. Chimanyaba Majabas, 
So it says in the text, Though you make great effort not to be defiled by wrongdoings, faults may arise due to such things as carelessness uh, and uh, preponderance uh, of afflictions. Um, uh, so here, and then it says, if this happens, it is inappropriate to disregard them without caring, so you must try to apply the remedy about which the compassionate Sikhs, uh, um, teachers spoke. Uh, so here, uh, even though at times we really don't want to engage in non-virtuous activities, uh, we are in, in, uh, have a lack of independence uh, at times uh, because our afflictions become strong uh, and we become careless and so forth. Uh, so um, we shouldn't uh, feel that there is no hope uh, because we are, uh, even though we don't want to, uh, accumulating non-virtue through our body, speech, and mind. Uh, there is, uh, we shouldn't uh, feel that there's nothing that we can do because even though we've accumulated these faults uh, that do have the abilities when the causes and condition are there to give rise to suffering, suffering of the lower realms of the uh, hell, hungry ghost, uh, and animals, uh, there is a way uh, uh, to purify these negativities and that is through the four opponent powers. So we need uh, to be careful um, uh, because these things, uh, uh, these, uh, um, uh, these things such as carelessness uh, and lack of my mindfulness uh, and so forth uh, can arise and, and make us accumulate non-virtues. So then here it says that, uh, like in the case of Angumala, uh, we are able to also purify our misdeeds. Uh, and here it talks of the remedy. Uh, if this happens, it is inappropriate to disregard them without caring. So you must try to apply the remedy about which uh, the compassionate teacher spoke. Here, compassionate teacher is referring to Buddha Shakyamuni, and the remedy is referring to the four opponent powers that Buddha Shakyamuni spoke of. <laughs> Tabata 
ਦਵਾਜੀ ਲੈ ਸ਼ਾਬਚੋਂ ਚੋਂ ਜਾਂ ਲੈ ਸਜੂਰ ਸੂਰਤਾ ਉਹਦੇ ਤੋਂ 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 ਤੁਆਂਸ਼ੀ ਤਨਾਜੀ ਸਾਜੂ ਸੰਭੀ ਦੁਬਾਈ ਨਾ ਦੁਬਾ ਤੰਗੇ ਸੋਨਾ ਸਾਜੂ ਸੰਭਲ ਸੁਰੂ ਸੁਆਇਓ ਰੇ ਹਾਦੋਂ ਤੰਗੀ ਨੇ ਤੋਂ ਸੋਇਓ ਬਈ ਨਾ ਹਾਗੇ ਸੁਰੂ ਸੁਆਇਓ ਰੋ ਉਹ ਤਨ ਚੇ ਸੋ ਦੇ ਸਾਰੇ ਤੋਂ ਸੀ ਜੀ ਵਿੱਚ ਨੇ ਜਾ ਦੁਬਾ ਦੁਬਾ ਤੋਂ ਸੀ ਜੀ ਵਿੱਚ ਨੇ ਦੁਬਾ ਸੁਜੂ ਨੇ ਸੁੰਬਾ ਤਾਰੇ ਚਲਾ ਸਾ ਦੋਸ ਸੁਤੇ ਜਾਂਸੇ ਸੰਗਾ ਸੁਸੁਸੋ ਵੀ ਸੁਜੋਂ ਚਾਵੂ ਰਸਨੀਦਰ ਲਸਾ ਸੋ ਦੈਨ ਦਾ ਨੈਕਸਟ ਪਾਰਟ ਸਪੀਕਸ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਡਾਊਨਫਾਲਸ ਆਰ ਇਨਫਰੈਕਸ਼ਨ ਸੋ ਥਿਸ ਵਰਡ ਇਨਫਰੈਕਸ਼ਨ ਥਾ ਵਰਡ ਡਾਊਨਫਾਲ ਇਸ ਮਚ ਮੋਰ ਲਿਟਰਲ ਬਿਕਾਜ਼ ਇਟ ਲਿਟਰਲੀ ਮੀਨਸ ਫਾਲਿੰਗ ਡਾਊਨ ਫਰਮ ਦਾ ਵਾਓ ਟੂ ਦਾ ਲੋਅਰ ਰੈਲਮਸ ਫਾਲਿੰਗ ਡਾਊਨ ਟੂ ਦਾ ਲੋਅਰ ਰੈਲਮਸ Uh, so it says now in regard to how to remedy any infractions or downfalls do as it is explained in the context of the three vows uh, so uh, rimache again said the reason that this is called a downfall is because you fall to the lower realms of cyclic existence uh, and this is related to the three types of vows so there is a difference between a downfall and uh, a misdeed um, Uh, so a downfall is related to these vows if one uh, um, breaks one of the vows uh, it is a downfall and in the context of the individual liberation vows for instance uh, monks and nuns uh, monks and nuns do a practice called sojung uh, on the 15th day of the month uh, every month and then also on the last day and this is a ceremony to restore uh, any vows uh, that one has created a downfall around uh, and then with the bodhisattva vows uh they also uh there is a practice of sojong uh for purification if there's been a downfall and the tantric vows also have a process of sojong uh in order to uh restore one's tantric vows so here it says in the context of the three vows this is speaking of the individual liberation vows uh the bodhisattva vows and the tantric vows ਨ ਦੋਵਾ ਮੈਂ ਬਈ ਨਾ ਤਨੋ ਦੀਵਾ ਯੋਰੋਤਾ ਦੀਵਾ ਲੂ ਜੁਗਨੇ ਦੀਵਾ ਮਗੋਚੋ ਵਤ ਸਿਸ਼ੀ ਜੁਵਿਚਿਤੇ ਵਤੇ ਤੋ ਤੋ ਨੇਬ ਤੋ ਜੁਗਨੇ ਵਤ ਸਿਸ਼ੀ ਜੁਗੂਰੇਸ ਮਰਬੇ ਨੇਬਾ ਦੀਵਾ ਸਿਸ਼ੀ ਜੁਵੀ ਸਿਸ਼ੀ ਜੁਬਨੇ ਤੋ ਜੇ ਸਾਦੇਸ ਦੀਵਾ ਸਿਸ਼ੀ ਜੁਵਿਚਿਤਾ ਦੀਵਾ ਤਾਂ ਤੋ ਆਸਨਾ ਖਜੋਂਗਾ ਸੋ ਮਜੀ ਜਾਦ ਮਰਬੇ ਦੀਵਾ ਤਾਂ ਤੋ ਆ ਦੀਵਾ ਸਨਾ ਛਿੰਬੀ ਜਿਨਾਇਆ ਦਿਵਾਇਕੇ ਰਾਜੂਗੀ ਜਨਾ ਦਿਵਾਇਕੇ ਵਦਲ ਦਿਵਲ ਹੁਤਾ ਦਿਵਾ ਦਿਵਾ ਮਗਵਾ ਦਿਵਾ ਮਗਵਾ ਜਦ ਮਰ ਤੋਂ ਸਨਾ ਦੁਬਾਇਕੇ ਕੇ ਸੁਲਮਾਤੂ ਉਹ ਤੇ ਮਰ ਬਤਾ ਦੁਬਾ ਮੈਂ ਸੁਲ ਤੋਂ ਆਇਓ ਮਰਸ ਲਸਾ ਉਹ ਤੋਂ ਆਲ ਮਜੀ ਮਰ ਦਿਵਲ ਤੋਂ ਆਲ ਮਜੀ ਜੇ ਦਿਵਾ ਤੋਂ ਆਂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਹਿੰਬਾ ਅਨੇ ਟਬਾਗੇ ਨੰਬਰ ਦੇ ਸੇ ਬਈਨਾ ਦਿਵਾ ਰੇ ਤੋਂ ਆਂ ਜੀ ਕਰੋ ਸ਼ੂਲ ਗੰਬਸੇ ਬਾਤੇ ਦੇਵਾਰੇ ਤੇ ਤੋਂ ਮਾਰੋ ਸ਼ੂਲ ਤੋਂ ਬਾਇ
So we have, when we look at uh, um, the two words, misdeed uh, and downfall, uh, these are two different words. Uh, if it is a non-virtue uh, that is common to a householder uh, and a monastic, uh, then it is considered a misdeed. Uh, but for there to be a downfall, there has to be a vow present uh, that is broken. Uh, so if uh, someone doesn't have a vow, uh, they can't create a downfall. Uh, so we previously uh, went over this and compared these two uh, um, and found that we have four permutations or four possibilities uh, when we look at these two words, uh, downfall uh, and misdeed. Uh, so first... Uh, if we look at something which is a downfall, uh, but not a misdeed, we could use the example of a monk cutting down a tree. A monk cutting down a tree is a downfall because there's a vow uh, to not cut down a tree, but it's not a misdeed. Uh, um, so uh, that's the first permutation. Uh, the second permutation, uh, something that is a misdeed, uh, um, that's not a downfall, uh, and that would be a, a, a bird killing a worm and eating it. Uh, the bird doesn't hold a vow, uh, so it is a misdeed because it's killing, um, but the bird doesn't hold a vow, so it's not a downfall. Uh, and then something which is both, or something that is a common locus uh, between the two, downfall and misdeed, would be a monk or a nun killing a bug. Uh, here, uh, it is a downfall and also a misdeed. Uh, and then something the Nikomayimbimu Ribong got. And then a rabbit with the horns could be the fourth possibility. So here we find that there are uh, four possibilities between these two. Nebuchadnezzar's so then it says, however, you should remedy sins through the four powers. So just as a note, uh, this is the comparison up here. Remedy any infractions, that's downfall. Uh, and sins here is referring to the word we're using, misdeeds. Uh, so if you were to compare them by four permutations with the words here, it would be the two infractions and sins. Uh, but we just used a different word. Uh, the okay, then the sutra giving the four teachings. 
Uh, Maitreya, if bodhisattvas, uh, the great heroes, possess these four teachings, uh, then they will overcome any sins that they have committed and accumulated. Uh, what are the four? Uh, uh, the power of eradication, applying remedies, the power of turning away from faults, and the power of foundation. Uh, so here, uh, it's saying that any uh, non-virtues can be overcome. Uh, those non-virtues that one... Uh, uh, has done and accumulated. So if it is done and accumulated, uh, it means that it has been thought about for a very long time and then it is necessarily a karma that you are certain to experience or that you will definitely experience. Uh, what need is there to talk about the karma that you're uncertain to experience being able to be purified? So if even the, the greatest karma, karma that's accumulated can be purified, uh, then of course the uh, karma that is uncertain can also be purified as well. So we find very similar ideas in the pronouncements of Lord Buddha. Uh, where Buddha stated that even uh, the five heinous crimes can be purified uh, utilizing the practices of, such as the four opponent powers. Uh, so we find it's very similar. Uh, that point that Buddha made is very similar to the point that's being made here uh, uh, where it states that um, then they will overcome any sins that they have committed and accumulated. <laughs> So the Bodhisattva is able to uh, um, utilize these four opponent powers and purify the greatest amount of non-virtue. And then the here, the uh, solitary realizers are able to purify a medium amount of non-virtue and then the hearers are able to purify a small amount of non-virtue. So the, the hearers are Shravakas, the solitary realizers are Prachika Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas, the Bodhisattvayana. Uh, so these are the three uh, and they uh, um, uh, purify uh, um, great uh, uh, medium and small amounts of negativity uh, in that order. Mm-hmm. So the first sentence uh, shows the four opponent powers in an abbreviated way. So it possesses these four teachings. Uh, and then it says, what for? And this next sentence gives the expanded uh, explanation of them. It actually divides them. So it says they are the power of eradication, power of applying remedies, the power of turning away from faults, and the power of the foundation. These are the four opponent powers. 
So, uh, these are the four opponent powers, uh, and we start with the first, uh, the power of eradication. Uh, and here, it, this means having regret uh, for having done what you have done. So, if you've engaged in a negativity, regretting having done that. Uh, so, this is the first, the power of eradication. Uh, the second, the power of applying remedies or the power of applying antidotes. Uh, we find six different points that are made, uh, points such as uh, meditation on in, uh, emptiness or interest in emptiness and so forth. Uh, and then the third is called the power of turning away from faults. Uh, and sometimes when we give this teaching, uh, we usually, uh, I'm sorry, usually when we give this teaching, we put this uh, third, the power of turning away from faults, or sometimes translated as the power of commitment, uh, as second, and the remedy is third. Uh, but in this text, we find the uh, power of commitment or power of turning away from faults in the third section. Uh, and, uh, and, and this third, uh, in the, uh, and, and here, uh, this is uh, um, where the practitioner states that in the future, uh, I will not accumulate this uh, deed again. Uh, so it's a, commi a commitment, a behavioral commitment. Uh, uh, number three. And then number four, the power of the foundation uh, is referring to going for refuge, uh, um, uh, generating the mind that aspires to enlightenment. Uh, so these are the four opponent powers in a very uh, a summer, a summary of them, rather, a summary of these four opponent powers. <laughs> So that's the uh, summary, uh, and then as we go through the text, there'll be a much uh, uh, more expansive, uh, expanded explanation. So those students who are older students will uh, know much of this material, and those new students will be able to easily, uh, uh, slowly ascertain it. Uh, today, uh, many new people came, uh, and this is a very important section of the text. So everyone listen very well, uh, carefully, please. All sentient beings want happiness and do not want suffering. Dungeon, 
Since sentient beings uh, do not want suffering, and we don't want suffering, uh, we have to see uh, if there is a method that will allow us to eradicate that suffering. Uh, and non-virtue gives rise to suffering, so is there a method to get rid uh, of that? Because these uh, um, negativities that we possess have the ability or the potential to uh, later give us the experience of suffering, uh, then we need to uh, figure out what to do. Uh, so we are able, uh, we can purify these negativities that have the ability to give rise to suffering by applying the four opponent powers. Uh, and then this makes it so they no longer have the potential or ability uh, to give rise to that experience. Uh, just like if you take a piece of rice, a piece of rice, if you plant it, uh, will be able to uh, grow into a sprout. But if you take fire, and burn that piece of rice, then it no longer has the potential or the ability to give rise to its result, which is a sprout. Uh, so if we apply the four opponent, opponent powers to our negativities, uh, it's very similar to the, the burning of the seed. Uh, it no longer, uh, ha those um, um, uh, negativities or those predispositions no longer have the potential to give rise to suffering. Вот небо тоже, вот небо тоже, uh, and the misdeeds com uh, compared to uh, the, the, um, uh, the a tree, for instance. Uh, uh, yeah, misdeeds could be compared to a tree. Um, so the four opponent powers are like the fire uh, that burns the tree down of the misdeeds. And the misdeeds can give rise to suffering, uh, so it's necessary to get rid of them. Uh, so by applying the four opponent powers, we can get rid of the misdeeds. Uh, in the same way that fire burns away a tree, or wood, wood. Tala to tombane, toma mebane, magi, lela, juba moaitis, naba sanjuba kundjuvitazate, tibasaja batile, njuba jatris, juba moaite, and eh, the joala, na major jabo, chitu gungus osa. Lassa. <laughs> Okay, 
so the power of eradication, the first power uh, is great contrition for having done non-virtuous actions since beginningless time. In order to feel this, it is necessary to meditate on the way in which you produce the three effects of actions, fruitional and so forth. Uh, so it's necessary uh, for us to look at the various effects of our non-virtuous actions. Uh, so if we engage in non-virtuous actions, the fruitional results are the lower realms of cyclic existence, of so the hell, hungry ghost, and animal. Uh, but then we also have causally concordant <coughs> results, and then we have environmental results. So we have all of these different types of results. Uh, so if you uh, were to analyze and meditate upon the various results of non-virtue, then this would inspire you to not uh, uh, want them. It would inspire you to um, um, not want uh, to have those things that give rise to suffering, because you don't want suffering. Um, so um, here, uh, it's it states that it's necessary to think about what your non-virtuous activities will produce and when, the re when you recognize that it produces suffering and suffering is unwanted, uh, it will uh, make you want to turn away from uh, these non-virtuous deeds. To turn away from this, these misdeeds uh, and regret those ha that you have committed. At the time of putting this into practice, do so by way of the two methods, the confession of sins in the Sutra uh, of the Golden Light and the confession of sins by way of 35 Buddhas. So uh, once you have this regret, uh, then you do a practice. Uh, so any Sutra that you recite uh, will cause pure, will uh, um, um, allow you to purify your misdeeds. Uh, so if you recite the Heart Sutra, this will purify misdeeds. If you recite the 35 Buddhas or the Sutra of the Golden Light, uh, it will purify our misdeeds. Uh, um, so uh, once we have regret, re regret, we should do this. <laughs> So we find in the commentary on the 35 Buddhas of Confession uh, that it uh, gives uh, various uh, um, uh, amounts of our misdeeds that are purified when we recite uh, the names of the various Buddhas. Uh, and it states that when we say to the founder, Bhagavan, Tathagata, Arhat, perfectly completed Buddha, a glorious conqueror, Shakyamuni, I prostrate. Uh, it states that when we recite just that line, we purify uh, um, uh, 10,000 eons of negative karma. What the Kibbutz Tiji Divata Supimarva 
isn't it amazing that this purifies 10,000 zeons of negativity? Just to say to founder Bhagavan Tathagata Arhat, fully completed Buddha, glorious conqueror, Shakyamuni, I prostrate, is, is very easy, is it not? And then it's also very similar when we do uh, the name mantras, uh, such as Buddha Shakyamuni's Teata Om Muni Muni Mahamuni Ye Soha. So in the uh, center prayer book, we have so many different mantras. Uh, and also, any mantras we find within the four classes of Tantra have a power to purify. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, so now we know who has purified their misdeeds, Angumala uh, and Milarepa. Uh, and then how do, how do you know if you've purified your misdeeds? Um, so we, uh, it is stated uh, that we um, can see various signs uh, in our dreams if there's been a purification that takes place. Uh, so uh, this is only if we are physically and mentally well. Uh, and we are looking at very specific points in the night. So we don't look at the first part of the night's uh, sleep or the second part of the night's sleep. It's the part right before we wake up, the third stage of our sleep, uh, where we can see various signs. Uh, and if we um, have a dream uh, uh, that we're eating good food or drinking something good or mounting an elephant uh, or seeing a llama, uh, uh, or if we just wake up and feel generally good uh, when we wake up in the morning, that's a sign that a purification has taken place. Uh, so we'll take a short break. Uh, yeah. Do 
Shishi, Shishi la subhantu tu samul tenba taas. Tenba ne, Shishi la subhantu di si lembas, si, si lembas. Tama marayitin tunaya parama tunaya dhuna di gujarota, zimba taan, luba taan, zimba taan, luba taan, si lemba taan, zimba taan, luba. Tati tun, dodi si tisu nye, ti tun da tuzo. And then, see, see, turn out So, this section is very important. Uh, this is the second of the opponent powers, the power of applying remedies. Uh, and here we find uh, six different remedies uh, that are presented. Uh, and the first is, one, dependence on profound sutras includes such activities as receiving the oil tra oral transmission of sutras, such as the Prajnaparamita, retaining, retaining their merit, meaning, and reading them. Uh, so here, uh, receiving transmissions of uh, sutras, uh, such as the Prajnaparamita, or uh, memorizing their meaning, uh, or just simply reading them out loud if you're not able to actually memorize their meaning. Uh, just to, to, to read them out loud. Uh, and these can be such sutras as the 35 Buddhas of Confession or the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Uh, um, so this is what is meant by dependence upon profound sutras, whether one is receiving the transmissions of them, memorizing the meaning, uh, or just simply reading them out loud. <laughs> So we can see how good it is to recite the Sutra of the Heart Chinese uh, uh, Buddhists and Tibetan Buddhists uh, all recite the, the Heart Sutra. And we can see here how important it is. Just as a note, Prajnaparamita, uh, uh, Heart Sutra is part of the Prajnaparamita teachings. Uh, but there are a hundred texts here, uh, so any of those hundred that you recite are the same. Uh, so you can do any of those, recite any of those texts. So we can uh, recite whatever we have in our own hands, whether it's the 35 Buddhas of Confession uh, or the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Uh, here, sutras such as the Prajnaparamita, retaining their meaning and reading them. So reading them and thinking over and over what the meaning is of it. Uh, and by doing that, then you're purifying your misdeeds. Tumba 
So the second uh, point is interest in emptiness uh, means to comprehend the reality in which there is no self in which luminous and and which is luminously clear and to have conviction that the mind is primordially uh, pure. Um, so here, when we speak of uh, the comprehend the reality in which there is no self, uh, uh, when we look at the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, it says, uh, the, frown, the profound uh, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound uh, prajnaparamita should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Uh, so here, uh, this is showing uh, the emptiness of true establishment. Um, so that the five aggregates uh, do not inherently exist with, from their own side. They are merely a collection that is put together, and then, not, then, then they serve as a basis of designation for a naming. But there is no five aggregates that uh, exist separately or inherently uh, from its own side. Uh, it because it dependently originates. So dependent origination uh, uh, shows uh, that things are not truly established and are uh, therefore uh, empty. And when we look at uh, selflessness uh, and the lack of true establishment, we have two categories. We have uh, um, the selflessness of person uh, and then selflessness of phenomena. Uh, so uh, the difference, uh, selflessness of person uh, is the dependent, ori dependent origination of the person, uh, and then uh, the selflessness of phenomena is anything that is not person. Uh, so that's what we're, the second category is referring to, anything that is not person, uh, and, what, and, that th and that thing's selflessness. Uh, so that's selflessness of phenomena. So because of dependent origination, uh, phenomena is also not truly established. So in the case of the aggregates, uh, in summary, the aggregates are not truly established because they dependently originate. They are merely a collection that serve as a basis of designation for nominal designation. What 
When we look at the five aggregates, uh, the five elements, uh, these are merely um, uh, come together uh, as a collection. There are no. They remember they yonder surnam. They yonder surnam. They Jason. They join ah on pumbong ah. Pumbong ah, that ngas ngas ah. They pumbong ah to the to the trouble marve. Pumbong ah to me na ngai home do. Pumbong ah to the ne ngas trouble do. Pumbong ah to the ne trouble ye to. So when we look at the eye itself, the eye is merely designated upon a basis of designation, such as the five aggregates and the five elements. Uh, but there is no inherently existent, intrinsically existent eye that is separate from that basis of designation. Uh, therefore, it, the eye is not truly established. Uh, so when we look at the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, it says there's no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, etc. Here, this is referring to the lack of true establishment of those things, not their non-existence. There is no uh, um, assertion of non-existence being presented in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Uh, only the lack of true establishment is being uh, presented. What the not the so the grasping that there is an independent uh, self that it, uh, uh, is separate uh, is the grasping at true establishment. So independence on the grasping at true establishment, then attachment arises. And then anger arises. And uh, delusion arises. So when we look at uh, the root of all afflictions, we'll find uh, that it is uh, the grasping at true establishment. Grasping at true establishment is the root of cyclic existence. Uh, so, uh, so by meditating upon emptiness, uh, one is able to uh, abandon uh, that uh, grasping at true establishment, and then as a result of that abandonment, since it is the root of the afflictions, then there is an abandonment of the attachment, an abandonment of the anger, an abandonment of the delusion. Uh, uh, um, so uh, one is able to get rid of uh, the root of cyclic existence and the root of the afflictions. So then the wisdom realizing emptiness serves to harm uh, that which uh, um, the grasping at true establishment gives rise to, and that is the misdeeds of one's body, uh, speech, and mind. 
because we are uh, um, not, uh, we have gotten rid of the root of cyclic existence and the root of the afflictions. Uh, therefore, the, the, um, the reactions from our body, speech, and mind that are negative are harmed, or it serves as an opponent to uh, those negativities as well. <laughs> So uh, we find in the Chandrakirti's uh, uh, entrance to the middle way where it states that first there is a grasping at eye. Uh, so we first have a grasping at the eye as being truly establishment. Uh, and then there is a the tambo the the nga demadrupa yure. Then a jen dem demadrupa. Then a jen demadrupa. Then a jen demadrupa. Then a jen demadrupa. Then a jen demadrupa. Then a So first there is a grasping at I, then there is a grasping at mine, and this is the root of cyclic existence. So first a grasping at I, uh, and then Rinpoche said a grasping at mine. These are my hands, these are my body. Uh, and this is the root of cyclic existence. <coughs> my friend, my enemy. So this is the root of cyclic existence. Uh, so then uh, it states, I bow down to compassion uh, for this, uh, for this, the condition of cyclic existence. Nanjuba 
So the afflictions uh, and the faults of the afflictions, like the suffering, so this is from the uh, uh, entrance to the middle way by Chandrakirti, the afflictions and the faults. Faults of the afflictions are that they give rise to the experience of such things as birth, aging, sickness, and death, come from grasping at uh, inherent existence. The yogi disregards this uh, uh, fallacy or this wrong view. Uh, so here it's saying that in dependence upon the uh, understanding of dependent origination, the yogi sees the lack of true establishment in things and disregards the view uh, that grasps that inherent existence. So anything uh, that we think about, uh, any subject that we think about the emptiness of uh, is sufficient and can purify our misdeeds. So if we think of the lack of true establishment of the I, this is meditation on emptiness. If we think of the lack of true establishment of a house, this is meditation on emptiness. If we think about the lack of true establishment of shape or color, then this is meditation on emptiness. If we think of the lack of true establishment of permanent phenomena or impermanent phenomena, then this is meditation upon emptiness. <laughs> Uh, so we can use the example of the Chen Rezig Center. Before uh, it was a center, someone else owned this house and a different person owned it. But then uh, we per uh, Ted purchased the center uh, and then we put all of these religious things in here and tankas and statues and so forth. <coughs> Uh, and now we nominally designate it as the Chen Rezig Center. But before it wasn't that. Before it was just someone else's house. But now we name it. Uh, it serves as a basis of designation for the name Chen Rezig Center. Mm. So we ask, is the north part of the house the house? Is the east part of the house the house? Uh, uh, is the house all of these things together? Um, uh, so these are the questions that we, we have to ask. Is the house uh, the, somewhere separate in north, south, east, or west? Or is the house somehow combined in all of these north, south, east, wests together? <coughs> so all of the things come together, the shapes and the colors, uh, and then we nominally designate this as a, ch uh, a, a temple or as the Chenrezig uh, center. <laughs> So we can also think about our head, for instance. Uh, is this part of our head our head? Is that part of our head our head? 
uh, is the north, south, the different parts, part of our head, and we have to say no, that it's all of this coming together that we name, then name as our head. These individual colors and shapes are not truly established, and we have to think about this. It's, an, uh, it's important to understand emptiness first, uh, and then whatever meditation we do, we can purify our misdeeds with it. I'm just speaking of a rabbit with horns, and it is not an established um, as a basis of designation. Because it's not established, it's not existent. To be taught on the Ebola, Dajisama Imba, Tanya Visemaneva, don't you seven soon sound soon? And you do signal to be taught on the US, about the to be taught on the other, not to be taught on the others. To be taught on Ina, taught on the Ebi Macho, the Mora Chusi. The Mora Chusi to be taught on the Mede and so Ramache is teaching something that I'm going to have impossible time to translate right now because it's about emptiness and conventional designation and uh, <laughs> ultimate designation uh, and the, the, the basis of designation needing to be a valid cognition. So I just, I need to table this until next time because it's just language that I'm not familiar with and I don't want to make a mistake within c the conversation about emptiness. <laughs> So Rinpoche is saying that the uh, rabbit of a horn can't be a valid, uh, established with valid cognition, um, but the eye can be established by valid cognition. So that the the eye, uh, the eye that's established isn't harmed by uh, um, ultimate valid cognition or uh, conventional valid cognition. What the what is going to So this is all <coughs> things that you need to understand. But I would have needed to present those for you to understand them. So if we think that I, nga nga yin sena, I am I. Nga nga yin wa kele el bala, tu na don tu bi semen nyo gu maro, nyo gu maro. 
So if you say that the eye is an eye, it doesn't harm uh, uh, um, <coughs> ultimate valid cognition, nor does it harm uh, conventional valid cognition. Uh, it doesn't harm uh, valid, uh, um, conventional or ultimate valid cognition because there is an existent uh, designation, des- an existent designation. Uh, so uh, is uh, a rabbit with horns established? No, because it harms uh, um, conventional valid cognition and harms ultimate valid cognition. What this one so Rinpoche is saying that we can find this information in the last section of the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment, the special uh, insight section, uh, as well as uh, in the... Um, uh, so Rinpoche is saying in the later section of the special insight section of this, and you find these three factors that have to be present. Well, I'll look them up when we get home, but there's an ultimate valid cognition, a conventional valid cognition, and there's one other. Um, and I'm sorry, I just don't have the vocabulary. And then in Lama Tsongkhapa's commentary on Chandrakirti's entrance to the middle way, you find this information as well. Uh, so the, the de- nominal designation of the eye exists because it doesn't harm the conventional valid cognition and uh, ultimate valid cognition and one other thing that I don't know the translation of. So the mind that apprehends the eye designates it as such. Exists. The designation exists, but it doesn't exist in a way that is inherently existent or independently existent. The designation itself of the the eye, the naming of the eye exist but it doesn't exist independently or inherently exist uh, so it, uh, the eye is based on a collection of of uh, aggregates and so forth there is not uh, any in intrinsically insistent uh, i therefore it is not truly established Damn, 
So when we look at the two different uh, um, types of emptiness, we find that there is emptiness of self and emptiness, uh, I'm sorry, emptiness of uh, person uh, and emptiness of phenomena. Uh, so uh, when we say the uh, emptiness of person, uh, it's the person's uh, uh, emptiness, the person's uh, lack of true establishment, uh, the person's uh, lack of inherent existence. Uh, then anything that is not person falls into the category of the selflessness of person, the emptiness of person, the lack of true establishment, I'm, I'm sorry, of phenomena. The, the selflessness of phenomena, the lack of true establishment of phenomena, the emptiness of phenomena, these all mean the same thing. So we have the selflessness of person, the emptiness of person, the lack of true establishment of person. Uh, we have the selflessness of phenomena, the lack of true establishment of phenomena, uh, uh, and the emptiness of phenomena. And this is, all means the same thing. <laughs> Pumungabutas <laughs> So when we see O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita, should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas, the empty of nature, uh, we find a, a presentation of both uh, the, uh, uh, the um, uh, selflessness of person and the selflessness of phenomena. So we find this presentation of both the selflessness of person and selflessness of phenomena in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. And to understand emptiness, you have to understand these. Tumba <laughs> So then when we have the uh, remedies or antidotes, we've gone over the first two. First, dependence on the profound sutras includes activities as receiving the oral transmissions of sutras, such as the Prajnaparamita retaining their meaning, 
uh, and reading them. Uh, interest in emptiness, uh, so referring to the selflessness of person and phenomena, we find both of these being presented, uh, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Uh, we find this being presented in both ways in this uh, Sutra of Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Uh, uh, and it says, it means to comprehend the reality in which there is no self and which is, and which is luminously clear and to have conviction that the mind is primordially pure. So when we look at the sutras which uh, give presentations on emptiness, we find the 100,000 verse, the 20,000 verse, the 8,000 verse, uh, perfection of wisdom sutras, as well as the sutra of the heart of transcendent knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, there's a story of Nagarjuna who uh, was giving a teaching, uh, and he noticed that in the crowd there were two young children. uh, And the two young children uh, were covering uh, their mouths. uh, And Nagarjuna came to them uh, and asked them why they were covering their mouths. Uh, And they said that uh, they were covering their mouths because they were actually Nagas, and that their breath was poisonous uh, to other people, and they didn't uh, want to do that uh, to poison, make them poison, uh, and didn't want them to be other people to be scared, uh, because uh, if they, you know, were in their normal form as serpents, the other people would be scared. So Nagarjuna asked the two children to please come tomorrow, and not to uh, come in disguise, uh, come as your own self, uh, as a naga. Uh, so the next day. Uh, two Nagas arrived and everyone became very, very scared. And Nagarjuna said to the crowd, uh, Don't be scared, these uh, are just the children who were here yesterday. Mm-hmm. So then uh, it was known there were uh, at that time the 100,000 verse perfection of wisdom sutra the 20,000 verse and the 8,000 verse perfection of wisdom sutras uh, were hidden in the Naga realms uh, and the Naga children went to the Naga king uh, the, these two Nagas went to the Naga king and he said uh, to invite Nagarjuna to the Naga land uh, and Nagarjuna went to the Naga land and they gave him these texts, the 100,000 verse perfection of wisdom, the 20,000 verse, and the 8,000 verse uh, to bring back to our world system. What did you say? I said, Nagarjuna, I said, 
so then Nagarjuna wrote the um, uh, uh, text called the uh, uh, root wisdom text the Mulya Madhyamika Karika and is known as the uh, uh, blazer of the chariot way from Madhyamaka so this is what is meant by meditation on emptiness and I will look up those three qualifying in the insight section later I just didn't want to ruin it Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this next one is very important. Dependence on recitation means to recite according to the rituals, the formula such as the 100,000 syllable mantra of Vajrasattva. So here this is when you do the front and self-generation practices and you're doing the recitations, uh, and you're imagining the circumambulation of the seed syllable at your heart uh, of the various deities here. We're speaking of uh, Vajrasattva. This is the 100,000 uh, syllable, syllable mantra. Uh, if we're imagining that this uh, mantra is circumambulating the syllable of whom in our heart uh, region, uh, or if we're doing that with the Chenrezig mantra, Omani Pemi Hom, and we're imagining that the uh, Chenrezig mantra is then circumambulating uh, um, these, uh, the three syllable as we do the recitation, uh, then this becomes dependent on recitation. If we are only reciting the mantras themselves without doing the front and self-generation practices, uh, then it becomes uh, dependence upon uh, names uh, uh, um, uh, and so forth. But if we uh, um, are doing the uh, um, actual practice itself, uh, uh, then it becomes dependence upon recitation. <laughs> So then if we engage in the recitation of the hundred syllable mantra and we are imagine ourselves as the deity or we meditate on the uh, deity and we meditate upon the actual circumambulation of the mantra uh, at the heart zone 
and then it said it's like a fire uh, that can burn up the uh, entire uh, forest that, uh, that spread uh, and then burn away our non-virtue of our body, speech, and mind. Uh, so then we have a quote from the Tantra requested by Sabahu. Dona The flames from the fires that spread in uh, spring forests are out of control, burning up all the thickets. Likewise, the winds of ethical discipline fan the fires of recitation, and the flames of great perseverance burn up sins. Just as when the sun's rays destabilize snow, it melts in the unbearable uh, brilliance, so too the snows of sins disappear when destabilized by the sunbeams of recitation and ethical discipline. So if we engage in ethical practices, uh, and then we do the uh, mantric recitation with the uh, visualization involved of front and self-generation, uh, and we imagine the uh, um, mantra garland circumambulating at our chest, uh, then we're able to uh, burn away our non-virtues, burn away our non-virtues of our body, speech, and mind, and then therefore burn away their abilities, and their abilities to give us suffering in the future, their abilities to give rise to experiences of the lower realm uh, rebirth. Uh, and it says, it compares it to uh, the sun melting the snow down a snow mountain. Uh, these, uh, uh, this uh, practice of recitation uh, burns away our non-virtue uh, slowly, like uh, snow is melting. So it's slowly, uh, as we purify a little more and a little more, uh, we're able to get rid of those misdeeds uh, in the way that snow slowly melts down a mountain when the sun hits it. 
Then an example is given uh, of a dark room. Uh, if you turn the light off, it's dark, but if you illuminate it, it's brilliant, it's bright. So, so the dark gloom here is compared to the dark gloom of our uh, misdeeds of our body, speech, and mind. Uh, and the four opponent powers are like the light that gets rid of the dark gloom, the darkness. Lighting a butter lamp in a dark, uh, dark gloom entirely clears away the darkness. Likewise, the darkness of sins accumulated for a thousand times, lifetimes is quickly dispelled by the butter lamp of recitation. <coughs> Further, repeat the recitations until you see signs that you have cleared away your sins. So this is uh, what we've gone over many times. If you are uh, mentally and physically well, uh, you can look for various signs in your dreams in the third state. Uh, the formula of exhortation states that the signs are dreaming the following. Vomiting bad food, consuming such foods as yogurt and milk, vomiting, seeing the sun and moon moving through the air, blazing fires, subduing water buffalo, uh, dark or black persons, uh, um, uh, 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 subduing, or it says fighting with, Rinpoche said, uh, dark persons. Dark, I asked him where the clothing was, it just says dark persons, or black, black persons. Seeing the community of monks or nuns, seeing a tree that gives out a milky substance, riding upon an elephant or bull, climbing upon a lion throw, climbing up a mansion or a mountain, and listening to the teachings. 
These are all signs that a purification has taken place. These are all uh, signs and dreams uh, that there has been a purification. Natsukarma Sumyure. Uh, so we're done. Uh, and we will be back next week. Platon Dagi and the Sum Sema Dantan Sema Yabu Yabu So we'll do the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. Thank you everybody for listening. Apologize for any omissions. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have created for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantavadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful, Ahuteshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. Pray for the long life of the precious Kensa Wanda, holder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, and wisdom and perseverance, Tuji Ramachikuti Shapi Denerlam.